Welcome back. Thanks so much for being with me for part of your Wednesday afternoon. I'm Deb Hutton, your guest host. And because it is Wednesday afternoon, just after the four o'clock news, I'm joined by Brett House, professor of professional practice in economics at Columbia Business School, a fellow with the Public Policy Forum, the Monk School and Massey College, and our guest for what we call Dollars and Cents with Brett House. Welcome to The Rush again, Brett. Good to be on with you, Deb. So we've got some new inflation numbers, 2.9% in January. Uh, Largely, it appears as a result of gas prices that fell. Your general take on where you thought inflation might be and what you think this means? Well, I think it's broadly speaking around where many forecasters thought it would be. It was a little softer than consensus, but it's in line with what the Bank of Canada has cautioned would be a bumpy ride through these last few months of getting inflation back down toward its 2% year-on-year target. Uh, What's interesting when you look in the details Inflation was just under the top of the 1% to 3% target band for the Bank of Canada, regardless of whether you looked at one year, six months, three months, or one month inflation. That is comparing with a month ago, three months ago, six months ago, or a year ago. So it's a very good sign that inflation is coming under control. Uh, When you look at core measures of inflation, so the parts of the price basket that are least volatile, Uh, They were also uh, within the target range or getting close to the target range. And at the lowest levels across the board on all of these metrics that we've seen in about three to four years. So very encouraging for anyone who is in variable rate borrowing products who are looking for a cut from the Bank of Canada. Not enough for that cut to happen, but pointing in the right direction. And last time that you and I did speak about when you expect a cut, because I, I think it's not now, everybody sort of says uh, the same thing. You Were you thinking July? Is that my recollection? Yeah, I'm thinking uh, July because we are expecting to see a an update on the bank's monetary policy report at that meeting. And central banks don't normally make a big change unless they support it and complement it with updated projections. And so uh, that is the point in the middle of the year when we are going to get them from the governing council. And uh, I I wouldn't expect them to move unless they have uh, those updated forecasts coming out at the same time. So a little bit longer for anybody to uh, who's thinking, oh, I'm going to wait to see what the prime rate is going to be uh, before I start looking for a house. <laughs> It'll take a little bit longer. Well, yes, but at the same time, everything is tipped toward rates coming down. It is still a bit up in the air exactly when it happens. So it is a terrible time right now to commit to a fixed rate mortgage or fixed rate loan because you would almost certainly do better on a variable rate, given that the Bank of Canada is not going to raise rates anytime soon, in my view. Uh, it either will stay on hold or lower them. So you could go into a variable and uh, and then lock in at some future date if that's the type of mortgage that you had. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not giving financial advice as an economist, but broadly speaking, I, I think anyone should consider us in a situation where rates are going to come down rather than go up. And the important thing to remember is that mortgage rates are benchmarked off the bond market. And even if the Bank of Canada doesn't cut, those markets, if they are anticipating future cuts, will bring yields and interest rates down. 
So the Toronto Star asks the question, is the Canadian dream broken? It says that earning gaps are emerging for second-generation Canadians. In other words, those whose parents came here for a better life for themselves and quite often for their children are seeing that they are not, their children are not faring as well, at least from an um, earnings perspective than multi-generational Canadian peers. Your thoughts on, I guess, first, the legitimacy of this, whether you're seeing this, and what it actually means if that's the case. Well, I always start from the data, and the data on the Canadian dream broadly is still really positive. You know, we have more educated uh, Canadians and residents of Canada than we've ever had in the past. We have higher rates of homeownership. Uh, we have higher uh, job uh, and employment market participation rates than we had pre-pandemic in most sectors of the labor force. And broadly speaking, earnings are catching up with where they were pre-pandemic. So, you know, the TikTok uh, meme that we're in a kind of silent depression where millennials are doomed to be worse off uh, than their parents' generation just isn't borne out in the data. Uh, of course, some folks are hurting, and of course, uh, we can be doing better. Uh, but in general, this is the best time it's ever been to be alive in Canada. Um, when we look at the performance of new Canadians and their children, I do think it's worth looking at uh, where those new Canadians are coming from and how uh, educated or skilled uh, the immigrant generation is in arriving here. And typically, uh, what we have seen is a shift in the sources of our immigrants, uh, shifting increasingly to countries that do not have English as a first language. And so that requires a bit more integration. Uh, we also see uh, increasingly people coming in with lower skill levels uh, than we saw in the past. And so that requires uh, some greater uh, integration efforts into the Canadian economy and workforce. And so, you know, when we compare how new Canadians and their children are doing now, it's worth setting them into context. We need to be watchful uh, as well because uh, new Canadians are increasingly people from racialized groups. And, you know, that means we do have to be mindful that there could be discrimination or other uh, barriers to entry into educational labor force that are acting on their prospects that we didn't see before. I'm speaking with Brett House on our weekly segment, Dollars and Cents with Brett House. So millennials, apparently, you just mentioned them a moment ago, have for the first time outnumbered baby booners, according to Statistics Canada. Your thoughts on what that means from a wealth generation perspective, a labor force perspective, just, you know, day-to-day living perspective when it comes to our finances? Well, you know, you and I are Gen X, I think, so we get to sit in that small bit in the middle and look at two big generational bumps on either side of us. Right. Uh, the big news for the Canadian economy as a whole is that uh, the rise of the millennials is good for economic growth and good for labor markets. It means we have more people and a greater share of the Canadian population in prime working age than we've had for some time as baby boomers have aged and moved either into the end of that prime working age or beyond uh, that range. And uh, so that should be a source of increased productivity and growth in Canada. It will also mean 
the way we do business uh, will continue to change. Millennials are digital natives. And, uh, you know, if you're a Gen Xer or a boomer and you don't like using an app, you don't like talking to a chatbot or uh, an automatic or online call center, uh, you better get used to it because we will not be reducing uh, our digital interaction with the world. We will almost certainly be increasing it. I just want to pick up on the productivity point because there are many who believe that productivity is one of our challenges here in the country. But you do think that with a growing millennial population now having crossed that threshold of being more than boomers, we that's that's good for productivity? It ought to be good for productivity. They're, on average, more educated, uh, more attuned to current technology, and uh, more multicultural and multilingual. Uh, All of those things should be advantages uh, for productivity. Uh, Productivity is always and everywhere a concern. And I should note, the situation for productivity is more contested in Canada than the headlines suggest. If you strip out Uh, the oil and gas sector from our corporate and company private investment numbers and productivity numbers, Uh, both investment and productivity end up looking a whole lot better in Canada and a lot less source for concern. Doesn't mean we can take our attention off it, but some of the sky is following rhetoric doesn't seem to be wholly well-placed. Well, maybe we can drill down that a little bit more when we speak next Wednesday afternoon. Dollars and Cents with Brett House, Professor of Professional Practice and Economics at Columbia Business School and a fellow with the Public Policy Forum, Monk School and Massey College. Always a pleasure, Brett. Thanks for joining me.